is so good uh, to be back. Um, as um, you know, if you've been here, you've been watching online uh, for the last couple of weeks. I was uh, quarantined, and I'm finally out of that prison, um, and, and I'm glad. Uh, so thankful for uh, Todd, who could step in and, and preach. Um, really, on that I called him Saturday um, of that first week. He had about 20 hours notice to uh, prepare a sermon and and to preach that week. So I really appreciate just having that, that ability to say, hey, can, can you do this tomorrow? And he said, um, absolutely. So, so I'm thankful for that and just for Todd and for his ministry here and, and all that he does. And he started a message series that we're calling Traveling Light or Travel Light. Um, and that's one of the things that I like to do when I go anywhere, um, whether it's Costa Rica for a week or, or on vacation, I take nothing more than a backpack, because I never take a check luggage because I hate to wait for check luggage. And the, I did one time several years ago, we were going to Honduras, we were in Kentucky, and we all checked bags and we got to Honduras and not a one of us got our bags. And so from then on, I just said, you know what? I, I'm not taking a check bag. If I can't fit it in the backpack, then I don't need it. So when, sometimes when we're in Costa Rica by day five, I stink because I've only brought four t-shirts because that's all that'll fit in my bag. And, and that's what I just hate the, to, to travel with, with a lot of things. And I think about Mary and, and Joseph, and they were traveling to the, the town of David, and they were traveling light. They, could, they couldn't take a whole lot uh, to get there. And, and some of the things that, that we've known that, that Todd shared with us the last couple of weeks is we know that this world is not our home. Like it's not, we are created for more. The problem is, as we travel through this life, we often accumulate so much stuff that it weighs us down, that it holds us back, and ultimately that stuff doesn't matter. And we all have it. We all have so much stuff in our lives. Many of us have so much stuff in our lives that we have to rent other buildings to put our stuff in because we can't fit it in our houses. Uh, we talked about uh, distractions that get, again, letting go of, of the distractions in our life. We live in a crazy world that we have so many distractions thrown at us every single minute that I can pull out my phone, I'll have it sitting on a chair, but I can scroll through Facebook and see what's going on in everyone's life or Instagram or Twitter or any of those things. There's 24-hour news that, that's available. So many things that can distract us. And if we're going to live the life that God created us, we've got to let go of some of those distractions. But today we're going to talk about a, a very important topic, to let go of something that is destructive, that is ruining so many of our lives. And I want to do that from a couple of verses in the book of Hebrews. It's in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Very, very important verses. The author of Hebrews says this, we're to make every effort. Say every effort. What do you suppose that means? Every effort. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. How many of you would say honestly that you've noticed that some people take a little more effort to live at peace with than others? Yeah, I do. Like there are people in my life that I'm like, if I have to deal with them today, it's gonna take a lot of effort. And by the time I'm done dealing with them, I am worn out. It's time to go home and, and take a nap. Like scripture says this, they'll make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Because without holiness, 
no one will see the Lord. Holiness is a, is a big word. And it's thrown around a lot in, really in church world. We look at people and we're like, they're holier than thou. And we like, listen, we're called to be holier than thou. We are called to be holy. But what that doesn't mean is that we're called to be better than everyone else. What that means is we're called to live a life that is pleasing to God and making every effort to live at peace with everyone. And we're holy, not because of our good works, not because of anything we've done. We're holy because God has chosen to clothe us in Jesus Christ. It's not of ourselves, it's of him. And this is this, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. How many people does the writer of Hebrews want to fall short of the grace of God? No one. I think sometimes we forget what the goal and the mission and the purpose of the church is. It is so that no one will fall short of the grace of God. Jesus said it when he gave the great commission. He said, go into all the world, make disciples of every nation. He said, I want, I want every nation, I want everyone to come to know who I am. Peter would say it this way, your God, some, God is not slow as some of you count slowness. But he said, God is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The goal of the church, listen to me, the goal of the church is that everyone would come to know who God is and not fall short of the grace of God. And that's our responsibility. That's why he says, hey, make every effort to live at peace with everyone. And then he says this, and see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. I'm convinced that one of the, the greatest tools our enemy has is what the Bible calls a root of bitterness. And what do we know? We know that our God wants us to love. But our, our enemy wants to kill and destroy any intimacy that we have in a relationship. We know that our God wants us to grow in trust, but our enemy wants us to, wants to steal trust and leave us bitter. In fact, I believe that our enemy will do everything possible to plant a seed of offense in the hearts of people that will grow into a root of bitterness. Let me say it again. Like I believe that our spiritual enemy wants to plant small little seeds of offense that will grow up and mature into bitterness. You know, it could be something really, really small. Like you have a friend on Instagram and you always like her post and you always comment on her post and then one day you realize that, that she hasn't been liking yours and she hasn't been commenting on yours and, and you don't understand why she doesn't like them and why she's not commenting. And then you realize that, that you've been unfollowed. A seed of offense leads to a root of bitterness. Something small, you text your friend and your friend doesn't text back right away. And you saw when you texted them, you saw the little bubbles, like that they came up and then the bubbles went away and you never got a text. And that little seed of offense grows into a root of bitterness. It could be at the Christmas meal. And every year, you know that person that never brings anything, but they always bring a Tupperware dish and they take home a free meal. A seed of offense that grows into a root of bitterness. It could be something really, really more significant than that. 
someone that you love lies to you. They deceive you. They talk bad about you. A seed of offense grows into a root of of bitterness. It's the relative that's always critical of you. The way you raise your kids, the way you spend your money, even even where you worship. You go to that church and you worship like that and you just get so sick and tired of the criticism. Could be that a person takes advantage of you or, or misleads you or betrays you and you realize that there is a seed of offense that's growing into a root of bitterness. Let me say the big thought for, for today that we need to recognize this, and if you've ever came to me for, for counseling, you know I, I say this, that you can't control what people do, but you can't control how you respond. You can't control what anyone else does, says, acts. You can't control anything about anybody else, but you can always control the way that you respond. You can't control what they think about you, what they say about you, what they do to you. But the good news is with God's help and by his power, you can control how you respond. Like I think we underestimate the impact that stuff and and distractions have on keeping us from, from God's best for our lives. And today's message is probably one of the most timely things we could be talking about. Because there are some of you right now, you're, you're super excited about Christmas. And some of you, you can't wait for it to be over. Why? Because whatever emotional state you're currently in, it's magnified this time of year. If things are good in your life right now, you know what? The lights just twinkle a little bit brighter, don't they? It's awesome. The carbs, they just taste a little bit sweeter at Christmas, just a little bit more magical. But for some of you, for many of you, if you're experiencing any kind of drama or relational tension of any kind, setback, financial problems, it magnifies the pain also, doesn't it? Christmas is a a magnifier. And in in the next week, or a week and a half, God has ordained for many of you to be in the presence of the people who should be the most important in your life. And make no mistake, our enemy will plant a seed of offense and rob you of your joy. Today, I, I wanna talk about how and, and what bitterness is and why it's such a problem and how do we get free from it. Remember this, you can't control what people do but you can control how you respond. So so what's the problem with with bitterness? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. The problem with bitterness is that bitterness has a a dangerous root. The author of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15, he says this to to the church. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. And I think it's interesting that he chose that word root to, to describe bitterness. You know, for several months in my backyard, there was a root ball uh, sitting, sitting back there. And it was enormous. The tree wasn't even very big, but the root ball was enormous. When, when they pulled that thing out, I mean, there was a hole probably six foot across from where they pulled that thing out. And it amazes me how the root system of a tree works. Like th- this, these things just grow under the ground while, while you can't see them. You don't know what they're doing, but they're down there feeding the tree and, and stabilizing it against any storm. You can't see them, but they're doing their job. 
And the author of Hebrews says, see to it that no bitter root, that what you cannot see is slowly underneath the surface of your soul, it's growing deeper and deeper. See to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. Many of you, you've experienced hurt and disappointment and letdowns and lies. Listen, you may not even know it, but an offense has taken root. Now, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says that love keeps no record of wrongs. You know what bitterness does? Bitterness keeps a detailed log of all of the wrongs. Detailed records. He hurt me. She misled me. They lied to me. They let me down. Bitterness will keep growing and growing and growing. And the longer you allow it to live, listen to me, the deeper it grows and the harder it is to kill. Bitterness has a dangerous root. Second thing is this, that bitterness has a poisonous fruit. I deserve extra credit because those points rhyme. But like dangerous root, poisonous fruit, like that's extra credit for me. But the author of Hebrews, he continues, he says, see to it that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile who? Not just you. Not just, not just you. Not just the person who's bitter, but it says many. See to it that no bitter root grows up inside of you The author of Hebrews knew that one person that's nursing an offense, one person that is allowing bitterness to take hold can destroy the whole group. The collateral impact of that one offense is widespread. And we know this. One bitter person can destroy a family. Some of you, you've experienced that. That you know you can't get together at Christmas with your family anymore because there's that one bitter person that you know that has ruined everything. One bitter person can make a workplace utterly miserable. And some of you, you're here thinking, man, I pray that so-and-so hears this because the Holy Spirit needs to speak to their soul. And to you, I would say this, that bitterness is the hardest sin to see in the mirror. It's the hardest one. Because the reason we feel that way, the reason that, that that bitterness is there, because we feel like we're justified in it. Like I have a reason to be bitter at them. I have a reason to be angry at them. I have a reason for this offense because they did something. We become so accustomed to living with it day in and day out. Like we wouldn't even know what life would be like to be without that offense, to be without that hurt. And if we're not careful, some of us will come into a room like this and listen, and we'll celebrate the love of Christ while hating someone else in our heart at the same time. And in fact, the Bible says, if you say you love God, but hate your brother, in God's economy, that's impossible. You can't do both. If you've truly experienced the love of God, listen, you cannot hate your brother. And if we're not careful, some of us will freely receive the forgiveness of God, yet withhold it from someone else. It could be the brown noser or, or a boss that doesn't appreciate you, a spouse that doesn't lift a finger at home. For some of you, 
you have a problem with you, don't you? Exactly, said, like you're angry with God. Listen, we cannot heal from that which we're unwilling to first acknowledge. And so I just wanna ask you today, better yet, I want you to ask God to reveal anything in your heart that is beneath the surface of your soul that is beginning to be a root of bitterness. Ask God to root out, to get rid of, to destroy whatever that offense is in your life. Because there are some things that need to be excavated, that need to be dug up, that need to be pulled out. So how do you kill a root of bitterness? How do you get rid of it? I wanna read a text in Ephesians chapter four and then just kind of break that down. But it says, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, Paul writes this. Get rid of how much? All. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. It says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. How do you kill the, the root of bitterness? First of all, you kill bitterness with compassion. We kill bitterness with compassion. There's tension growing in some of you today because you recognize that this offense that you've carried for a really long time and the fact that you feel justified in carrying it, and I just told you in order to kill that, you have to operate in compassion. Even to the person that hurt you. Even to the person that lied to you. You have to operate out of compassion. And I wanna clue you in just on a little secret. The laws of heaven are almost always opposite of the laws of man. Almost always. Jesus said this, if you wanna be great, serve other people. That's opposite. The world will tell you, hey, if you wanna be great, you push your way to the top. You do whatever it takes to get up on on the top level. It doesn't matter who you step on or who you hurt. But Jesus says, hey, if you wanna be great, you know what you need to do? You need to serve. He said, hey, if somebody strikes you, you don't strike them back, you turn the other cheek. You wanna kill a root of bitterness inside of you? Offer compassion. In Romans 12, Paul gave a very similar teaching to the church in Rome. He said, do not be overcome by evil, but let's do the opposite of that. Let's overcome evil with good. What do we know? What the enemy wants to destroy, God will flip it. He does the opposite and he turns it for good. We kill bitterness with compassion. Being part of the solution, not perpetuating the problem. Jesus said it best, I think, in the Gospel of Luke. He said, bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. Again, the opposite. You do the very opposite of what your human instincts are telling you to do. The greatest form of compassion, listen, is to pray for someone who's done something really terrible to you. Pray for them. God, I pray that they experience you. 
God, I pray that you you would soften their heart. I pray that they would know your love. God, I pray that you would bless them. And praying for someone else, listen to me, it may not change them, but every time when you pray for someone else, it will change you. It will change the way that you act and the way that you respond and the way that you communicate with them. We kill it with compassion. And second thing, write this down. And this is gonna be hard for some of you. You kill bitterness with forgiveness. You kill bitterness with forgiveness. You're listening to this and you're thinking, Josh, you have no idea what they did. And you're right, I don't. But God does. Paul writes this, get rid of all of it. Every bit of it. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other. And how do I do that? You forgive each other just as God forgave you in Christ Jesus. You're not generating something. You're you're not mustering up something. You're You're not forcing anything. Well, all you're doing is you're passing along something that you've already received. And there's a big difference. How did Jesus forgive us? Immediately, unwaveringly, generously, and unconditionally. He hung on a cross not to pay his debt, but to pay yours, to pay mine. And he uttered those three words, it is finished. And when he said that, he was thinking about us. He was thinking about you. Thinking of all the things that you did. All the things that that I've ever done. And it says that he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he did it with joy. Why? So that you would be free. So that I would be free. And I'm gonna tell you something. One of the reasons we live in this perpetual cycle of bitterness is because we wanna compare sin. We do. We compare what we've done against what someone else has done. And we allow the fact that, that we, we, what, when we have sinned, it wasn't as bad as when they sinned. I have a right. I have a right to carry that. I would never do what they did. Would never treat someone that way. You know, the word sin is an archery term. And it means to miss the, the bullseye, to miss the mark of, of God's righteousness. You know, by how much? By anything. By anything. Look at the mile they missed the mark by. And look at look at my millimeter. And the thing is, the consequences on earth, they're different. With a mile sin and a millimeter sin, the the consequences are different. But in the eyes of God, the mile and the millimeter are the same. You missed. You missed the mark. And the penalty of sin, missing by a millimeter, missing by a mile, the penalty of sin is separation from God. Both of them need the blood of Jesus, period. Not one more than the other. They both need the blood of Jesus. So we come to a place where we recognize that we've been freely forgiven. How dare we withhold that from someone else? He forgave you freely, generously, absolutely, unconditionally. I wanna give you a tip that might help this holiday season on taking baby steps toward offering grace to other people. 
Like, I don't know how to forgive. How many of you ever played the, the card game Spades? Have I ever played Spades? I, I love the game of Spades. When my son-in-law comes over, like Aiden and I, will play three-handed Spades, which is wacky because it needs four people. But there is a card in that game that trumps every other card. You know what it is? The Ace of Spades. It wins no matter what. And when you carry a root of bitterness against someone, you live with this ace of spades 24-7. You have it. You hold this card against them 24-7. And you know what? You find yourself in, in imaginary fights with them person. Like you do, like you're talking it through. Like, like you've been there. Like, and you're completely, they're completely fictional, but man, it feels so good to win that fight even in your mind. What are you doing in that moment? You're playing the ace of spades. In your heart, you're, you're holding it against them. You may sit across a Christmas meal with that person and everything in you wants to remind them of what they did to you. How do we take baby steps to forgiveness? Here's how. Now, I wanna play that card, but I choose not to. I wanna play it, I wanna trump it, but I'm not going to. I choose to release them, they owe me nothing. You say, I don't know what I'm gonna do tomorrow, I don't know how I'm gonna feel tomorrow, but when that feeling comes up this very next time, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm not gonna play that card against them. I'm gonna withhold it. And tomorrow, I don't know how I'm gonna feel, but right now, in this moment, I choose to release them. And in the next moment, you know what you do? You choose not to play that card again. You release them. And the next moment, and the next moment, and the next day, you choose not to play that card. You just hold on to it. And eventually, here's what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen is no longer gonna be an emotion. It'll only be a fact. It'll only be a part of history. What they did won't disappear. But eventually, when you choose not to play that card, what's going to happen is it's no longer going to be emotional for you. It's just gonna be a memory. It will no longer impact your emotion. And I'm here to tell you, like my heart is, is breaking for many of you. Because some of you, you believe in God. You believe in Jesus as the forgiver, but you're not free and you know it. Some of you, you're holding a, an offense against someone from five, 10, 15 years ago. And they may have even forgotten about it. They may not even remember that conversation but you're holding on to that offense and it's not allowing you to be free. Like you can relive it, you rehearse it. Today, what I wanna encourage you to do is just to release it, to just let it go. Someone once said to, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and then to discover that that prisoner was me. I pray that God, by his Holy Spirit, will set some of you free today. Listen, I'm not saying what they did didn't happen. 
I'm not saying what they did didn't hurt. I'm saying that until you forgive, you can't move forward. Until you reach out with compassion, you will never move on. This bitterness will hold you back and will leave you feeling miserable and empty this entire Christmas. My prayer is that you would release it. Not because of only what it's doing to you, but because it's holding many people back and they're falling short of the grace of God because of the bitterness that you're harboring. And if our goal as a church is that no one would, no one would, would perish, but everyone would come to repentance like God said. If our goal as a church to, is to share the gospel with the entire world, how in the world can we let an offense stop it? I'm gonna ask you to stand and we're gonna pray. And if there's a decision that you need to make, we'd love to, to talk with you. Father God, today, I come to you thanking you that you didn't hold the offense against us. God, you have every, had every right to be bitter. God, you had every right to be angry because every one of us, whether we're in this room, whether we're watching online, every one of us have missed the mark. And Father, the way that you forgave us was that you showed us compassion and that you sent your one and only son to die for us. And there's no sin too great that can't be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. And so Father, I pray for whatever bitterness we're holding on to. I pray today would be the day that you reveal it and that we release it so that we can move forward. It's in the name of Jesus who died for us, I pray. Amen.